I never turned my mic on this week until I got on stage. For those of you here last week and heard me singing uh, while my mic was on, among other things, take your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 1, and also turn to Psalm chapter 23. We're going to do it in two places this morning as we continue our Christmas series called Behold Our God. And I want to say this for the first time, I think, for the season, Merry Christmas. It's good to see each and every one of your happy faces this morning. Now, I want to, as you turn there, there's a couple of things I want to encourage you to do. Our church is growing in every area right now. And when we grow, that means more opportunity to serve other people, right? And we need new people serving. And so we need five to eight volunteers in our kids' ministry. We're going to be opening up a new space in, in 2024. And so if you aren't serving in our kids' ministry, please be willing to serve. And you can take the Connect card there that you have inside your worship folder and check one of those boxes for that. Sound good? So do that right now. So let's all together, let's just try this, even online. Take out your Connect card and look at it and say, God, do you want me serving? All right? Number one. Number two. Our student ministry is growing. We need 40 volunteers there who have opportunities to pour into our students. Isn't that cool? And so, guys, it does, we're going to equip you in every facet of this. So don't think you're going to walk in there and go, all right, you're responsible. No, we're going to help you understand how to do it, all right? Promise you on that. Even if you need diaper changing lessons, we'll provide that, okay? So ask the question, God, do you want me to serve with students? And if that's you, Put your name on the list and check one of the boxes. Finally, hospitality ministry is booming. That's a big part of River Hills Church is making people feel welcome. Agreed? And we need more of you to help us help others feel welcome. So if you're willing to pour a cup of coffee, say good morning or hand out a worship folder. We need you. Sound good to everyone? And so ask that question. God, do you want me to do that? And here's what I want you to do. Take that Connect card, fill it out. Now, for those of you that are serving in 18,000 different areas, this is not for you, Okay. This is not for you. This is for those of you who have not served anywhere or maybe in one other place. Sound good to everybody? I really believe that when you choose to serve, God chooses to grow you. Make sense? And so choose to serve, choose to grow. Sound good to everybody? Take that step. Now, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. It is Christmas time. We talk about Christmas passages. And this morning we're going to be dealing with my favorite person in the nativity story and that is the person of joseph he's he's relatable to me in several ways not because my wife came to me and said i'm having god's baby no that's not what i'm saying but he was a guy that was faced with difficult choices and just like you and i you and i are having to make some difficult choices day in and day out agreed and have you ever asked the question god what do you want me to do everybody has right now it could be the minutia of life like god what kind of car you want me to buy i think it's important you pray for those things or it could be the big stuff of life god who do you want me to marry those are big big decisions and when we understand the idea of christmas we have to grasp the idea that god is a guide in john chapter 1 verse 4 we read this last week it says jesus is the light 
He illuminates the way. He reveals the way in a pathway of salvation. But also, I believe that as Christ enters into your life and you have the indwelling Holy Spirit in you, there is a guide there. And it's learning to recognize his voice. It's learning to understand it. Because sometimes the decisions we have to make are both good, right? Sometimes the decisions we have to make are both bad. So sometimes we need to just, at all times, we need to say, God, what do you want me to do? I love to hike. Me and my family love to hike, and uh, at least most of us. And uh, this past year, um, not with my family, but I found myself at Yellowstone National Park. Now, that's a place I'd love to hike, but there's something in Yellowstone that we don't have here in Georgia. You know what that is? Grizzly bears. Now, interestingly enough, I have the app, the All Trails app. You know, any of y'all, any, any, any people like that? You know, you tree huggers, like, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, right? The All Trails app. Now, I want to just give you a caveat. I was using the All Trails app in the Southwest Desert one time, and it was wrong, and we got lost in the desert. So, uh, I mean, we made it, obviously, and there were 50,000 people around us. <laughs> we just didn't know where we were going. So, we were, we were at Yellowstone National Park. I had the app, had all the, had the map. I like paper maps. Y'all with me on that? I like looking at paper maps. I like it all. Like, and, and then you go to each trail, and there's a trailhead, and it says this is a two-mile hike in and out, and you get to see a beautiful lake and all this stuff. But here's the deal. We knew where we were going. We had the paper map. We knew how long it was supposed to take. Even those of us who are out of shape, you just add 30 minutes to it, right? And so I go to the trailhead, and there was a piece of paper nailed to the trailhead sign and it said bear sightings and every time that they saw a bear on this trail it said you know on this date at 12 o'clock we saw a mom and two cubs at this date we saw a mom and it was like yesterday we saw a mom and two cubs now here's the deal this is a decision you have to make do i hike it and get eaten maybe <laughs> good way to go down you've seen legends of the fall <laughs> some of you got that <laughs> Or do I not hike it and never see it? And I think for many of us, it's the chances that we're unwilling to take that keep us from experiencing God and all that he has for us. We don't want to take the chance, do we? We don't want to get in the awkward. We don't want to feel uncomfortable. And when we read the Christmas story, I'm fascinated with Joseph here. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Let's turn to that. It says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the conversation? Now, to be pledged to someone basically means you're married except for conjugal rights. You with me on that? They were married. They're going to be together forever. And she comes and says, I'm pregnant and God is the Father. That would be a bit awkward, agreed? Now, the reason I love Joseph in these moments is because Mary didn't have a choice. She's going to have a baby. Joseph had a choice. Joseph had to really sit down and really dwell upon what does God want me to do here. Now, we know that the people in the New Testament had the Old Testament to follow. Psalm 23, you've heard that before. The Lord is my what? Shepherd. Okay, we're going to read that in just a few moments. But let's read a little further and see what happens here. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law 
and yet at the same time did not want to expose her to public disgrace he had in mind to divorce her quietly now to be faithful to the law means a couple things could happen he could disgrace her family he could disgrace her he could have her killed if we really followed the uh the 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 uh, every part of the law here but instead he said i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna divorce her quietly i'm not gonna cause her any shame but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people. Now, some of you are like, that's what I want, right? When you got a choice to make, it'd be great for God to say in a dream, yo, <laughs> you been there before? Have you asked for that before? Absolutely you have. God, just give me a sign. Maybe a butterfly, maybe a worm will crawl across the sidewalk, and that'll be it. You guys have done that. Don't you lie to me. I've done stuff like that. And it would be wonderful for God to say, here's your son. But even when he affirms that's what you should do, you still have to take a step of obedience, don't you? Some, when you read Scripture, you know what God wants you to do, right? In overarching themes. And you still have the choice of whether you're going to do it or not right now read a little further verse 22 all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel and then Joseph woke up and he took Mary to be his bride but he did not know her until after Jesus was born now let's deal with this because in my mind I'm betting even after he woke up and definitely before there was God what do I do you been there God how 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 do I handle this situation and sometimes there are difficult situations you call to handle people within your own family people issues within your own self how do I make the right decision God what is your will for my life in this I'm willing to bet. I want you to turn to Psalm 23. This was on his mind. It's popular now. It was popular then. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we're going to come back, because what we see here are a couple of overarching principles in understanding how to discern what God wants you to do. Are you ready for this? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Now, this is what I want you to get. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, let's just deal with this chapter, and then we're going to go back to Joseph. Are you all with me on that? There's a couple things I want you to understand from this, specifically as it pertains to making a decision about what God would want you to do. Number one, it's the affirmation of saying, God is the leader and I am not. Okay, you get that? Go to verse one. What does it say? The Lord is my what? Shepherd. For all the sheep involved here, the shepherd is the boss. And when we really want to understand what to do as it pertains to God what do you want me to do we have to come to this submissive place and say God you're the leader I'm not now with that in mind 
in matters of the heart, in matters of the will, we ask over and over again, God, show me, show me, show me. And there's this phrase that we use in the church that says, let the Spirit lead you. Have you heard that before? Now, let's deal with that. That's a real truth. Because God does lead you. You've had that happen to you before, right? Lord, show me what to do. But I want you to understand something here. This is so important. When the Spirit leads, it's always within the parameters of Scripture. Are you following that? Give you an example. A friend of mine and his wife were having a difficult time one time. They were talking on the phone, kind of questioning what they were going to do with their marriage. And she said, I think it's time for us to get a divorce. God has given me a peace about that. God did not give her a peace about that. There was no abuse and there was no adultery. You follow that? So when we determine what we're going to do in the Spirit's leadership, it has to be under, under, under girthed, under, underscored in the parameters of God's Word. When it's not, guess what? God's not leading. Like you thought. It could have been the pizza you ate late last night. Could have been the song you heard. Could have been the culture that speaks into you. Understand that. Now, my parents went through a very difficult season. I was four or five years old. Uh, they'd lost uh, parents. They had lost grandparents. It was just a tough time in their marriage and their life. They weren't in divorce. But you ever just had a week or two where you're just sad? Y'all been there, right? It was just sad. And so here I am, a very active four-year-old. This is one of those stories everybody tells around Thanksgiving dinner every year. Y'all with me on that? And they said, well, we've got to do something with Chip. That seemed to be always the problem. <laughs> and so my parents gave me a paint roller and a can of brown paint. Didn't say my parents were smart. <laughs> Maybe they like judgment in those moments. But they were very clear you can paint fence posts, but do not, do not, do not paint the house. I thought, it's on. <laughs> so I'll never forget. I can still remember this. I had that roller. I was rolling those posts every, all the way up and down the fence line, rolling those posts. I even kind of broke the, bent the rules a little bit, went up to the patio post that stuck in that held up the deck. You know what I'm talking about? I painted that, and then I got this idea the dog was there. Yep. I painted the dog. <laughs> Here's the deal. My parents said you just can't paint the house. <laughs> Your problem, not mine, right? There's no telling how much shampoo they had to use on that dog to get that paint out of them. Here's the point. So when the Spirit leads you, it's always, always, always going to be consistent with God's Word. You follow that? And so for you and I, if we really say, hey, God's the leader, is he? Is he? Or is it just a title of convenience for us? Yeah, it looks like God's in control all day. But is he in your mind? Another thing we got to grab hold of is when we really tear into uh, Psalm chapter 23 is that when we're making decisions and we're following God's leadership that is consistent with Scripture, Understand that the Lord has righteous and good plans for you. Now, I want you to hear that. Righteous and good. 
good, meaning they're pointing in a Godward purpose, righteous in the sense that they are not sinful. Make sense? So when we're making decisions, sometimes we have to weigh, Lord, are these your good plans? Is it your righteous pathway? Go back to Psalm chapter 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leaves me beside quiet waters. He's making provision. He's leading you into places, number one, where you're going to be provided for, and number two, where you're going to be sustained. Do you see those two things there? Now go back. I want you to understand this. A good shepherd, especially in that culture, in an arid climate, was going to lead the flocks to where there was grass to grow so that the, the sheep could eat it and live. Make sense? But they'd also take these creeks and they'd dam them up so there'd be a still water. There'd be a pool of water for them to drink out of because it was difficult to drink, and many times the sheep wouldn't drink out of running water. That's a good shepherd, right? And that's what he's doing for us. He's leading us in those pathways to where you're going to be sustained and taken care of. But there's something else to this. I want you to get it. Go to verse 5. He says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. He also says in verse 3, He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. What does this all mean? It means that God is guiding you to places to where that is good, now, don't understand good to be a circumstantial, experiential thing. It's purpose in alignment with his will, but it's righteous. And as you choose to follow God's plan, as we choose to submit to what he wants us to do, understand he's a leader and he's leading you in the right direction. How many of us have second-guessed the Lord? All of us, right? All of us. I have. I have today. <laughs> Haven't you? But here's the point. The Lord leads in righteous and good ways. He has good and righteous plans for you. But I want you to go to verse 4, and I want you to get this. Sometimes his guidance leads us through dark places. Now, we don't like to hear that. But I want you to read what it says in verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest, what? Valley. I will fear no evil. For you're with me. This stuff makes sense, especially in some of the prosperity gospel nonsense we heard. God wouldn't leave me in a bad place. God wouldn't leave me in a place to where it was going to be difficult. God wouldn't leave me in a place to where it's hard. You definitely would. <laughs> yeah. If you don't, if if you don't agree with that, I want to encourage you to read the entirety of the New Testament, starting with Jesus. Sometimes he leads us down dark pathways so that our dependence is upon him and not our own capabilities. You with me? And if we really believe this stuff that John chapter 1 verse 4 said that Jesus is the light, we have to understand he walks with us in the midst of that. He walks with us in the midst of that. And so understand, as, as, as Joseph contemplating that, I would say Joseph was in a pretty dark place, wouldn't you? I mean, socially, he's in a dark place. I mean, think about it, the love of his life just comes to him and says, I'm having God's baby. What's that going to do? You've broken up with somebody before. You've lost somebody you love. That's tough. But, and here's the beautiful thing about this psalm, God's promise is to walk with us through it. He might not deliver you through it, but his promise is to walk with us through it. Go back to verse 4. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will feel no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, what they are a comfort to me. Meaning he has the ability to beat off the wolves and to guide and to discipline and to change us. But with that being said, how do we figure out specifically what God is guiding you and me to do? Make sense? Those are our overarching themes. Those are the things that undergird everything else. And as Joseph is sitting there contemplating, I'm a man of the law, as we saw in Matthew chapter 1 a few minutes ago. I need to do what the Word says, but I'm also, I don't want to embarrass her. I don't want to disgrace her. I definitely don't want to have her killed. You follow me on that? What do we do? Because sometimes the decisions we make are stuck between a rock and a what? Hard place, right? What do I do? And then sometimes you have really good options. You're presenting it with two jobs, and it's like, this one's good, and this one's good. They're equally good. They paid the same. They're both the same commute. What do I do? You been there before? Or do I quit my job? Been there before? What do I do? What does God want me to do? So let me give you a little bit, and we're going to jump all over Scripture here. When we have these Joseph moments, how do we discern what God wants us to do? And you have Joseph moments, and I have Joseph moments daily. Agreed? Because as you read Scripture, remember, the Spirit leads. It's in the parameters of Scripture. As you read it, He's not going to really specifically tell you, go to this college, do this career, follow this pathway, marry this person. Make sense? But there's some overarching themes that we can grab hold of. Here we go. You ready for this? This is 100% application. Follow me on this. Number one think that's it now why why did you say that god created you with a brain use it (laughs) we are thinking beings agreed there was a great book by a guy named josh mcdowell many 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 years ago a couple several decades ago and the book said don't check your brain at the door when you come into church sometimes some people are so incredibly intelligent and then you walk into church you have a spiritual experience or you have this idea where you got to make a decision you're like well let me just take this out of here for a second how do i feel no think I love what Deuteronomy says here. Verse 32, we're going to use this for the next application too, but it says, if only they were wise and would understand this and discern what their end will be. Isn't that good? What is wisdom? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Think. Think about it. Don't reduce your decision-making to impulsive decisions, okay? Okay. But then here's the next part of this. It's kind of the same, it's the same coin on the different side. Think ahead. A friend of mine used to say, watch the videotape all the way through. So many times we'll make a decision based on the first five minutes. Finish it. Think ahead. Think ahead. If you're trying to determine what God's will is, pray through, Lord, what will this look like in two weeks, five years, 10 years, 15 years? What's the impact here? In, in, in the long term we tend to, lose, we tend to live life like, like a sprinter runs a race but that's not it it's, it's a marathon guys think ahead go back to Deuteronomy notice what happens here 30, 32, 29 if only they were wise and would understand this and discern see the last part there what the end will be now you can't predict the future I can't either, right? 
but we can understand how things can make the future more difficult for us, right? So think ahead. Number three, take godly advice. Not just seek it out, apply it. Now, our podcast tomorrow morning, it'll go live at 8.30 in the morning. And we're going to talk about how to choose a godly advisor, okay? We don't have time to deal with it this morning. Because there are a lot of people in our lives that we take advice from, and many of them aren't wise nor godly. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? So I need to go watch so-and-so what their opinion is. Why? <laughs> take godly advice. Proverbs, I love what it says here. And that's just filled with wisdom. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to what? Advice. Take godly advice. Number three, and this is a difficult one. Be honest with yourself, not true to yourself. Now let's deal with this. That phrase, true to yourself, is very popular right now. You've heard it, right? I just got to be true to me. I just got to be true to me. Let me tell you how true to me looks like in Chip Wheeler's world. Are y'all ready? I want 18 large flies from McDonald's when I leave here today. I need to be true to me. It makes me happy. But y'all know that's stupid, right? <laughs> and there are things that are true to us because it's how we feel, but it's very, very bad for you. The idea is not to be true to yourself. The idea is to be honest with yourself. And many times we find ourselves trying to make our happiness fit within the box of our personality or what we're feeling rather than as we think ahead think think and as we ask for godly advice we have to really sit down now notice what happens here in psalms chapter uh, 139 starting verse 23 notice what happens here because this is a great principle to cling to as you seek to make godly decisions and do what the lord wants search me god know me and know my heart test me and know my anxious anxious thoughts See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is a great prayer to pray, right? Search me, O God, because my flesh is much louder than my spirit right now, right? Y'all been there before? Don't just be true to yourself. Be honest with yourself. We know where we're tempted. We know when at times we're not on God's pathway. Don't try to be true to yourself. Try to be honest with yourself. Number five, here we go. And this is just some kind of things to watch out for. Beware of idolization. What do we mean by that? Have you ever put someone on a pedestal because they're articulate, cool, or they say some really neat things? Sure you have. I have. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite um, heroes when I was growing up was an NFL football player and he was a rock star anywhere he went he everybody took his picture he was on movies he was watching I mean he was just unreal and I wanted to be just like him until I found out he had a crack addiction so here's the point beware of idolization and many times we even idolize spiritual leaders who we listen to on podcasts who we think through who's who says some really punny things not funny punny things right y'all know what i'm talking about right let's just be real with each other for a second we can make things rhyme then all of a sudden realize that is dumb that is not god's plan i once heard a pastor say basically god is in you and that means i am god are you kidding me and you listen to him 
First Thessalonians says this, 521. Notice this, test them all. Test them all. Test your pastor. You follow that? Test it to see if it's in alignment with God's will. So important there. And here's your last one. And this is the one you, we're not going to reference the scripture verse because there's too many. Trust and wait. We don't like that one. The rest of them are action steps, right? But did you know 116 times in scripture, the phrase, wait on the Lord is there? And sometimes as we're seeking God's guidance, we have to wait for God to answer. And it's that waiting period where it's where the growth happens, people. That's where the dependency on the Lord happens. I don't like waiting, do you? I mean, I'm the guy at, 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 the, at the grocery store that sees another line open up who runs over there. You know what I mean? I'm the guy shifting lanes on the interstate because one side's going faster than the other in those moments. I'm the guy that doesn't shop but goes to Amazon, okay? I don't like waiting. But that's the growth. That's where we, that's where we find our dependency on the Lord. And for Joseph, it was a nine-month wait. Think through that for a moment. And then he is tasked with the commission of being God's dad. Talk about pressure. Listen. As we're seeking the Lord's guidance, we seek it in such a way to where there's wisdom involved in that with the acknowledgement God is going to show us within the parameters of Scripture. And if we go back to Matthew, as we wait, you know, for Joseph it was nine months. For you it might be 19 years. And some of you have been waiting that long for some things, right? Anybody? Some of us have been waiting a long time. And we're, Lord, give us a reprieve. Lord, give us an answer. And many times we can give up during that waiting period. We can get bitter. Any of y'all been there? Get frustrated. Uh, and I, and I want to go back to our Joseph moment here. Go back to verse, chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 19. Notice two things here. We're gonna go, then we're going to skip down to verse 24. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now go down to verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord said. If I can flip my page over there. Of the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until they gave birth to son, and he gave him the name Jesus. What, what, what do we learn from that? Is it in the waiting he maintained his integrity? You see that? In the waiting he maintained his integrity. And he maintained hers too. You see that? And in our waiting, and when we have these Joseph moments and we're looking for a God, it's like, God, give me the strength to maintain an atmosphere and an attitude of godliness.